1: we mm-hmm.
0: Over the weekend, we saw a continuing decline in people keeping their distance and wearing masks. We saw new cases and hospitalizations continue to rise, particularly in those states that reopened for business the fastest. Those hot spots seem to be getting even hotter. In New York, the disregard for masks and distancing rules has the governor there saying there could be another lockdown. Houston also considering another lockdown if the case count keeps accelerating there. Florida saw its highest single day increase on Saturday. Arizona Hospitals are near critical in their occupancy levels. Oregon has put their plans to reopen on hold after not being able to keep the virus in check. But for the nation as a whole, there's not much chance that we'll see the kind of proactive shutdowns of economic activity that we did before. So, what does all this mean for investors? Is the economy going to come back bigger and better than ever, the way the stock market seemed to predict it would in April and May? Or will COVID take its toll on even more economic activity and take stocks down with it? Today on Dumb Money Live, will the recent upswing in cases cause a second crash in the stock market? This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. Happy Monday. Despite all the red, it's my favorite kind of show, one where there's no right answer. Anything can happen. It's all about being prepared. First things first though, please destroy that like button. Tell the algorithm that we're on. If it's not blue, this show could literally self-destruct. Second thing second, Chris, Jordan,
1: how was your weekend? Mine was good. We spent a lot of time poolside. Actually in the pool, uh, because it's hot out with the girls. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Chris uh mine was awesome I, I needed a break uh you know how I just I've needed breaks though I, I I get so intense on equity research during the week that I kind of after we did our last episode I more or less just just put it all away for a couple of days and clean my garage again there's not <laughs> much left in my garage to do now other than, other start than like building
0: more. new shelving or you're, you're, you'll have some project to keep you occupied right
2: Uh, I needed to get a label maker to label the crates, but uh, I'm pretty much done, which is worrisome. So I don't know what I'm going to do the next time I am overwhelmed and just need a break from the market. But
1: You know what I want to do in my garage? Have you seen the slat wall that you can do for your garage? And you basically Mm -hmm. turn your entire garage into like a, you know, 90s retail store i like, not do that. That's so you and your bicycles. You just
2: want to have your bicycles up there, right? All your bikes. Well, I've
1: already got that. That's already handled. It's just all the extra stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah, man. I, I So
0: can, can we talk I, about I, what we saw? Like the three of us are still, we're living in Texas, but all around us, everything on social media, it, it, it's all pointing to everything. It's wheels off. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but, uh. All bets are off. I, finding a Dave, parking spot at stores and restaurants apparently impossible this weekend.
2: Dave, it is so wheels off. It's not even funny. Okay, like restaurants are packed, bars are packed, uh, stores. I mean, r- parking lots. Or I want to go get some stuff, and you know, I had to just go to a curbside pickup because you know I don't. I won't walk into a store, and the whole parking lot was just packed with people going out to brunch on Sunday morning. I cannot even believe the dichotomy that we're in. Being that we're here talking about a second wave, which is actually a first wave for most of the country, including Texas, right? We say second wave because you have to say second wave, but yeah. is it a second wave? It's definitely our no, first. No, no, no.
0: Right? I, I, to be clear, when I say second wave, I think we're very much in the first wave. We, you know, flattened the curve. We pushed things back a little bit and c- avoided that complete healthcare disaster. But the way I've seen people back out and about. It's like there's no deadly virus that 2 million people have already had, right? Kind I mean, of blows you guys my mind. looked
1: at the uh, open table numbers. Um, so, you know, about a month ago, we were like 100% down, obviously. Um, right now, it's sitting about 50% for a lot of cities. Um, I think nationwide, it's probably 60. But your know, places in Dallas, it's probably 45, 50% down, uh, which sure. means that we're about half of what we uh, were pre, uh, you know, pre, pre-COVID.
2: Jordan, we're approaching in our restaurant close to 70% of, of where mm-hmm. we were. And you listen, you know, I'm on Facebook yesterday with my wife. And, like, almost everybody we know uh, is sending their kids uh, to summer camp yesterday. And my, my kids were supposed to go to summer camp. We, we didn't send them. But uh, it's like nothing. It, it's just like normal days for the most part around here in Texas and Dallas. Meanwhile, what we'll talk about on this show is we are getting what looks to be, I thought it was just like a slow roll uh, kind of increase. And I've been saying for the past few days, we can handle this. We could handle this increase in positive uh, test as long as it doesn't keep going up for like two more weeks. If it goes up for a few more days, no big deal. I mean, I mean it's a big deal because people will be in the ICU and we will lose lives but we can handle it or hospitals can handle it i don't think it's going to project the type of fear because this is really this episode's all about fear let's get it straight this episode is 100% about fear i don't think it would project the type of fear to shake up uh, the state of mind of the american consumer right now today based on everything we've been through the last 5 months you we need something
1: big to shake like a lot of the numbers yeah i agree i think um, the mere fact of opening things back up People expected to see you know, infections start to increase, hospitalizations start to increase. If you didn't think that was going to happen, then you had your head in the sand, right? I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's a fact of life that that's going to yeah. happen.
2: and Jordan, not only that, but I think the market expected it, consumers expected it, everyone's expecting it. Uh, so it really wouldn't have a major impact on this market at all. And that's why going into this weekend, I felt there was some tail risk for the data to get worse. But I didn't think the tail risk was huge. So I protected, I, did, I put a hedge on for the weekend, but it was very small. It was, you know, essentially I, I shorted the Dow, the DIA, um, with the equivalent of about, I don't know, 15, 16, 17% of my total long portfolio. So it wasn't a huge short. You know, I have that short going on Dave and Buster's. But other than that, my portfolio is still really long. Yeah. but then and something happened. To I, short. I also
0: I also put a little short on before the uh, market closed on Friday, I believe. Um, but instead of the Dow, I bought puts on that triple leveraged uh, Nasdaq 100 or the the QQQ, the TQQQ, um, because for me I I was kind of hedging my portfolio and, and kind of felt like that best mirrored my portfolio, and if if that moved, it would it would help keep my portfolio even. Um, but as oh. I as I went to bed last night and the Dow futures were down nearly 1,000 points, the S&P down 2%, the NASDAQ down only 1%, all I could think about was, why did I buy TQQQ instead of the UDAO, the ultra-pro yeah, da- yeah, Dow the 30 Dow ETF? The, yep.
2: Yeah, me and Dave were texting at like 1 in the morning last night as this thing was tru- – listen, I – so I, I had my little time off from investing for a day or two, and then I got right back in it. And it took me the entire weekend to get through our Discord channel, like to get through all of the Discord uh, messages, to to respond, to kind of read what people were discussing. It was awesome. I mean, I've been doing it for two day, two days, right up until early morning today. But. Dave, I agree. I mean, we both had some hedges, but they weren't severe. And I was a little shocked to see the market as down as big as it was last night. And yeah. I feel like right now, what I'm seeing today, down to 250 now on the Dow, seems a little more in line with the oh, and only down 170 right now. So a little more in line with what I would expect the market uh, to be doing. But uh, there's some data that we were looking at this morning, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Uh, Jordan, I sent to you, Dave. Is we've this the text that you sent just a, a
0: a bit ago? This this yeah, COVID yeah, testing a, search term for the past seven days in Florida.
2: Yeah, what? look at that, guys. So that's Florida, and and here's the thing: that's early this morning, but that's um that's Florida, and then there's one for Texas as well, and it looks identical pretty much. There's also one for LA. Uh, The L.A. looks identical. Um, So does the Arizona. So here's the issue. This is uh, a a parabolic move. I mean, this is a a bit of an anomaly. I don't know what's going on today. Uh, Maybe it's the additional media over the weekend. I think it's I'm going to tell you what I think it is. So we uh, have heard in Texas here, just in Dallas, about a number of our friends, people in the community that have been tested positive. Uh, and that just happened this weekend. Yeah, so word is getting around. We've heard of some restaurants closing. I've heard rumors. Uh, you know, there's one someone in our Facebook group, Dave, that you you're friends with that thinks she got it twice, but I think it's just a relapse. but but this weekend, all of a sudden, it's kind of hitting home. And I think a lot of people are either getting symptoms or they are in contact with someone who tested positive. So now yes. they feel like maybe they should look into testing themselves, right? It's like the reality uh,
0: is is setting in and they now know someone and they're like, well, I hung out with that person or I was in contact with someone that that person knows. And so that's why I think these testing near me searches are going through the roof, which I think is a big indicator of... That sentiment changing, you know, the the, the three months of lockdown. Basically, I, I saw a tweet that said basically the people who really tried are antsy, and the people who never tried are you know just continuing to be out and about.
2: And can we agree that t- the data that we're discussing right now will lead to one of two things? It's either representative of a pretty significant increase in positive cases, or it's uh, representative of people just maybe worrying more and maybe being a little bit more uh, sensitive to research and getting tested and maybe getting tested, even if they don't have symptoms. Yeah. Right. It's one of those two things. But in either of those cases, can we agree that we're likely to see a spike in people actually getting tested today and tomorrow and that in and within itself? Will likely lead to more positive results um, in terms of positive cases, whether or not the actual number of positive cases dramatically went up or if we're just surfacing more of them. I don't think that, I don't think for today and tomorrow, and maybe even the next couple days, maybe even this whole week, I'm not even sure if it matters which of those two scenarios is the true scenario, because to the market, all it means is more positive cases, maybe dramatically more massive new news coverage, which is going to spiral and create more. What's this episode about fear? Right. It's about fear, because what the market cares about more than anything else right now is fear, because if the consumer gets fearful, that means that companies will not be able to open up it means that even on a regional basis some mayors some governors might even selectively rein back the opening up of that city who knows like it's just going to have a domino effect on a whole bunch of industries and consumer behavior and we can argue all day long is that this is a temporary setback and the market's going to pop back up in a couple of weeks, right? Race forward. But for now, yeah. for today, for this week, I don't know how you interpret this as in, the data we're talking about is anything but potentially huge bad news. Am I missing something?
0: You're not. And that's why this morning, I think you and I both were on the same page. I went in and made a bigger hedge in my portfolio. I uh, sold a million dollars short on the DIA, the the Dow, um, ETF, and I also bought a hundred puts on the triple leveraged Dow. The what is it? The U Dow, U D O W. So,
2: and thanks for telling me about those, Dave. I don't normally do that stuff, but you know, I I kind of wanted to do something that you know was a little bit sexier than what I normally do, uh, and and I haven't done this stuff <laughs> since March, right? So I did one of those as well. I got me a hundred contracts of that whatever it is the triple the, i put it i bought put contracts on the triple leverage dow um and by but the way you have to realize I, that those
0: put contracts there's they cost like four dollars at the strike price that we were buying it's it's expensive so it has to really drop for those to be worth something so yeah. that's why that's the fun play but the the real yeah. hedge is the actual straight short of the dia
1: yeah, and the I'm problem is right. you, you, get, you get like a – you get a 40 VIX, right? And so you're paying a lot of premium for those puts. So, And Jordan and, – and
0: Everyone always wants to know – you know, Chris and I are always quick to say
1: what we did. Jordan, what have you done? Nothing. I have done absolutely nothing. And I'm wow. fine with it. No, I'm, fi- I'm fine with it. I, and, I review all my positions every morning. That's usually the right answer. And generally, um, typically,
0: I'm very much like a passive
1: – No, I did something. I did something on Friday. I sold my restoration hardware. Oh, wow! Look at you. we wow. for a huge profit. Uh, but I was you like, you know what? Profit, right?
2: I'll just take this off the table. Put some yeah. cash. All right. Because during this episode, I really want to dig into what to do. Okay. Like, yeah. like we pretty we just we just basically expose what we think is going to happen uh, in the market the next couple of days. So I really want to dig into what to do. And Jordan, to give you credit. I mean, I have been I, I was joking, but I mean this in my own way. I've kind of been meditating over this decision since yesterday about what should I actually do. And I think probably one of the best things to do, and I'll explain this throughout today's episode, is kind of nothing like like not to take a super. I'm not taking a super aggressive, uh, you know, short uh, stance right now. I'm not. I am shorting a couple things. I'll talk about them. Uh, but I'm not going really, really short. And I'm definitely not spending a lot of money on high premium derivatives and options that where the value of those is going to get sucked out. I mean, I did do a little bit of that with Dave this morning. But I'm not going to do a lot of it. And I'll explain why. But doing nothing, in the, and while, it's, the, it's a, probably a good decision, especially for you, but even for me. Because there's so many unknowns, and the biggest unknown is we're talking about tail risk on the downside right now, which is this data coming out tonight and maybe before the market closes, and I think, I don't know, I think... The data is going to be really bad and it's going to spiral into the morning and we're going to get another down date tomorrow. OK, but.
0: And, and our risk there is what happens if there's some good news or even the hint of good news towards a vaccine or a treatment or a therapy, whatever it is, if, if there's even the, the whisper of there's something good on the horizon that could shoot the market back up because we're in just this crazy, volatile time.
2: Dave it's July it's June 15th and what have we been talking about for the past three or four weeks mid-june is exactly when we had targeted high likelihood of one of the big vaccine companies most likely the AstraZeneca um, uh, Oxford study releasing their big data on results and I think that could be coming, Any day now, it's really risky because, listen, I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but I think no matter what it is, they're going to spin it good. Because they've been signing all these, they just signed another deal to distribute like 400 million uh, to to the European countries, right, uh, to to manufacture those. Like, I feel like they wouldn't be doing that if the data was horrifically bad. So I'm confident that that study, whether it's actually good or not, they're going to spin it good and it probably is going to have a pretty positive effect on the market and i it really makes me scared to go in too date deep on these short positions right now honestly it puts yeah. it puts us in a pickle with with this trade um and that's why i'm saying like honestly right now i was considering not doing any of this stuff i was considering just staying pretty flat, keeping my long trades, but my long trades are not in bounce-back companies. I took that off the table last week, remember? So, like, my long trades are in Peloton and GAN and Amazon and DocuSign and, like, and and gun stocks and outdoor stocks, right? Uh, Stocks that I think have a a natural advantage even if uh, things do take a turn for the negative, so I'm kind of comfortable with my portfolio right now, no matter what happens. Yeah. So I don't want to like spend a lot of money on derivatives and premium here.
0: No, I, I agree. Yeah. And, that, and that's a great place to be. You want to be in the place where you're comfortable with your portfolio. And yeah. the
1: one thing yeah, that I'm agree. considering yeah. Yeah.
0: is in some of these things, you know, there, there are things that I want to be in forever. Um, and if I just look at my portfolio, obviously like Amazon, I'm, I'm not going to sell Apple, uh, Tesla. Um, I actually wrote some covered calls on Tesla, which are doing fantastic for me. I wrote some covered calls on Restoration. Jordan, you sold your stock. I just took some took some profit just in case I wanted to sell the stock. Yeah. Um, GAN, Peloton, Netflix. Those, those are my top holdings. But then other things that I may, wow. may or may not want to still be in for the longer term, like Match or diageo or um what else am i in crown castle things that i things that that are not going to be core to my holdings i'm considering um actually just i don't know if i'm actually going to do this but i'm considering putting in some trailing uh trailing stop orders to sell those things so that if they go up cool but Kind of pick that predetermined price if the if the whole market's going down and I'm not really watching Match.com to see if it's up or down, you know. That might be my way to to continue to be able to appreciate on the upside and cap my losses on the downside.
2: The risk you take with that, of course, Dave, is that one uh, you get hit, uh, you know, overnight or over the weekend, and a big the stock swing. opens up way a big swing way lower right? It doesn't really protect you. And then in a worst case scenario, that, that open move is just a massive overreaction and it pops back up. And and so you're you're basically giving away some of your control over micromanaging the situation based on actual information and data when you do stuff like that. Yeah. So I, that's why I never, ever, 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 ever set those trailing stops. But I do understand why certain people use them. I get it. It's just, it's not for me. You'll, you'll never hear me doing it, I, but use them. I get
0: it. Yeah, exactly. And I I use them like right now is probably not the time, which is kind of why I was hesitant to even say it, but I use them a lot when I'm not paying as much attention to the stock market as I am today. And, you know, looking back, had I done that back when I went on vacation and wasn't watching the stock market, guess what would have happened? I would have sold <laughs> at just like that, that 20%, that first 20% drop, I would have been out and I would have not had all those losses all the way down, I would have, that would have been such an ideal move for me at a time when I wasn't paying attention to the stock market. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at here. If like right now I'm paying so much attention, but if I were to want to kind of, this is exhausting every single day being on the message boards, being I I found this well-written thing, a conspiracy on Wall Street bets about how one of these triple leverage things was constructed and how it's going to have a bigger reaction. It could just go bust. (laughs) I I can't keep doing this. So that's why I'm considering on some of the things that I'm cool with selling anyway that I already have a built-in profit, maybe – capping that loss if if they if the whole market were to implode and i were to not be paying attention that match.com went down you know but if it keeps going up cool i'm i'm the the way and and i'll I'll do a whole hey there dave here on how trailing stop orders work because i think it's fascinating but it's 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 a tool that i think is interesting to know how to use and to from time to time when you when you don't want to pay as much attention to be able to put your portfolio on some kind of an autopilot
1: Right. And I've got I've got a friend that's actually my neighbor um, is a he's a dentist and he uses it because he's, you know, seeing patients all day. So he literally can't watch the market all day long. And so for him, you know, it provides him peace of mind so he can do his job. I will um, always worry about it.
0: I'm going to always use it going on vacation from now on because twice now, it happened when I was in Mexico, just in February. (laughs) It happened when I went to South Africa, when I lost my phone in the back of a cab and didn't realize I had this, there was some crazy event. I can't remember. I got triggered out of some like covered call option or something. Basically, every time I go on vacation, something seems to happen to my portfolio. I just need to better manage the automatic settings. That's it.
2: Alright. Well yes, when like <laughs> when I'm cleaning out my garage, maybe I'll turn them on. But no, I can't I can't. I, I can I can never do it.
0: But, I'll have more uh, information about that on Hey There, Dave here, probably as soon as I get around to making it. Maybe this week. I haven't I, made a video listen, in two months. Do you realize I haven't made a video in two months?
2: That's cause the market's is I know, capturing I know. It, it's 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 distracting you, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you you're doing you're making more money. You're making more money in the market than you would on Hey There Day Here. So oh, it's good. Oh, for
0: sure. That's why that's why it's
2: <laughs> it is
0: on ice right now. But I just I miss uh, making videos. Even though th- doing this twice a week is fun. I miss making yeah. I miss editing.
2: I know. it's well, so it's well, ther- we to get, therapeutic. We need it's, to it's, do that dumb, we needed that last Dumb Money episode too. The way you like cleaning um,
0: your garage, I like editing a video.
2: I totally, totally get that. Now, can we talk about actual individual trades? Because there yes. are a couple that I've made, short trades. Um, they're not uh, surprising. I've talked about them before. We did an, an entire episode about second wave stocks a, you know, a few weeks ago. and I'm going to pull uh, up the stock chart because let's...
0: I think I know what you're about to say.
2: But here's the deal. I looked through every theoretical short trade uh, on this second wave. I want to make sure that nothing has changed since our last episode. I basically looked at every retailer, every apparel company, all the restaurant stocks, the entertainment stocks. Uh, I looked at the travel companies. And after all of that work, I basically came down to essentially two, three companies that I shorted and... You know exactly what they are. They're the same companies I shorted last time because I feel that today they are still the two companies uh, that are most at risk. If we get a deep and prolonged second wave, these are the companies I believe that will go bankrupt. And who knows when they go bankrupt, they might just pop huge like Hertz. But (laughs) that doesn't happen. Assuming that doesn't happen, it could happen. Um, Dave and Buster's. Is that Dave and Buster's? That's got there? Dave and Buster's. I, uh, I
0: pulled that one up, knowing that you were going to go there, and I know where you're going next too. It's like it's like we right, have a so psychic connection.
2: <laughs> all right, so before we get we leave Dave and Buster's, let's talk about them because they were planning. They raised a hundred million dollars. Uh, Jeffries gave them a hundred million bucks at like ten bucks a share. Now they're trading at sixteen. I think they got all the way up to like $20, twenty, twenty-one for a minute. Um. And they that $100 million isn't going to last them that long, by the way. Uh, they were planning on reopening most of their stores in July, mid-July. I think they opened a few of their stores. I still don't see Dave and Buster's, I could be wrong, getting the traffic they need to get to stop bleeding money. And if this prolonged second wave happens... I think they probably announced that they're not opening their stores in July yeah. and they're going to prolong that to maybe August or maybe later. And it could just become this rolling thing. Right. When they just this rolling thing, when they're just not opening up Dave and Buster's. And I think that has potential to destroy this stock only because it's quite transparent uh, how at risk they are of bankruptcy if this thing goes too long. Um And then, you know, my other stock is the same exact scenario, but they raised even less money, 43 million bucks, I think. Ruth Chris. Uh, And let me just say this, guys. Not every bounce-back stock is the same. Not every restaurant stock is the same. So there are lots of restaurants, but there are restaurants. And this is what Wall Street just doesn't understand. And this is why I shorted these two companies. Uh, Wall Street just puts them all in a bucket for the most part. And they all kind of move together, okay? But, listen, I know restaurants. I own a restaurant. There are restaurants that are thriving in this environment. They are thriving. I know restaurants right here in Dallas that are doing over, uh, right around 100% of their business. I know a restaurant in Oklahoma that's doing over 100% of their business. They're actually doing better now because they have such a good delivery business in addition to their normal business that their deliveries on fire. So – they're not all the same. There are other restaurants that are business-oriented that are in a very bad place. And I want to explain that through the tale of Blooming Brands that recently came out with an earnings report. I think it was an earnings report. And they talked about, you know, Blooming Brands, as you know, they have Outback Steakhouse, they have Carrabba's, uh, they have, uh, you know, just a bunch of restaurants, but they also have Fleming's, which is actually a higher end restaurant, and they have Bonefish Grill, which is a higher end restaurant. So what's fascinating is that when they came out, they said that some of the restaurants, I think like Carava's and uh, Outback Steakhouse, that they were only down, and this is kind of amazing to me, seventeen percent from last from their you know year over year, which is amazing, right, seventeen percent. And you guys see it. You guys see how crowded a lot of these casual restaurants are right now. And you combine that with the delivery, because all the people that are normally eating out there, are getting delivery nonstop. But they said that their Fleming's restaurant, I think it was Fleming's, uh, and their uh, their other high-end one, Bone, uh, Bonefish, they were down, I think, 60%. It might have been 40, 40 to 60%. Maybe 40%. I don't know. It was down like triple, at least triple what their casual restaurants were. So now let's go to a Ruth Chris. Ruth Chris is the ultimate kind of business, you know, business networking, business dinner restaurant when you're traveling business. We've talked about this on the show. Um, You're not going there for a casual meal with your family. That's just not happening. Well, and you're
1: not going to have it picked up, right? You're not going to pay that much money to have a steak in a styrofoam box to bring back to your family. You're just going to cook it yourself. No way. And same thing with Dave &
2: Buster's, man. Dave & Buster's is a very special type of place. And it's like, it's a very different story. Dave & Buster's is a different reason why you don't go to Dave & Buster's. Like anyone that has any sense of, 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 of how viruses spread, that has even a remote fear, a remote fear in their head, would not be going to Dave & Buster's during this time. So these are two, in my opinion, special situation restaurant groups that are the absolute most at risk. And I think I actually think most of these restaurants survive and do fine. Honestly, I think most of them are going to figure out a way to survive and come out of this maybe even stronger. But I think there will be casualties such as you guys heard what happened this weekend, right? With uh, Chuck E. Cheese bankrupt, right? I mean, Dave and Buster's is just Chuck E. Cheese Wait, for people that are slightly older, right? Chuck, yeah.
0: Chuck E. Cheese went bankrupt. I, I have to go buy the stock.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you must go buy the stock. I got to day trade that. Oh my God. I, know. I,
1: I thought don't they were private. I, I don't know. Yeah, they might be private. Yeah. <laughs> the but, funniest thing uh, that I heard
0: during this pandemic, Chuck E. Cheese, as part of their like strategy to stay in business, they um, opened up a uh, one of those virtual kitchens serving pizza and pasta under some local sounding name. And they were fooling people into eating Chuck E. Cheese pizza takeout or delivery on the delivery services crazy but genius that's why genius. i that's why i know i don't order from virtual kitchens because you don't know what a virtual kitchen actually is ah. i definitely nope. don't want to eat a chucky e. cheese pizza when i think it's some local pizzeria that i just haven't heard of
2: yeah. okay dave think about a virtual kitchen do they have any because there's so many now do they have any reason to do the right thing like what happens if they get closed down for having a roach in the food or Uh, any type of thing, right? They just reopen under a new name and they don't care because there's no brick and mortar location where they have walk-in customers or it's like, okay, new name next week. There's a
0: warehouse over by the airport in our neighborhood. If you, if you look all of these ones that have the exact same stock photos of food, if you go to their like pickup location, the ones that disclose it, it's all like a warehouse near the
2: airport. Like, can I just give our viewers just a little like 10 second education in restaurants? Because I just feel so prideful for the things that we do at my restaurant, Chelsea Corner. We spend insane amounts of money to do things the proper way, like getting our ice machines completely taken apart. And it's like a five-hour cleaning job every few months. It costs us like 700 bucks per ice machine. How many restaurants do you think do that? Virtually none, okay? Okay. I do it because I eat there my friends eat there and like we do all this crazy stuff you could go to our in our kitchen at four in the morning and you would be shocked at how clean it is. no restaurants do this stuff for the most part because they just it's impossible it's too expensive it's just too expensive um, but yeah I, I would need a virtual kitchen uh, back to what we were talking about I think these are the two weakest players. I'm not putting a tremendous amount of money shorting them for the reasons that I gave earlier in this episode. I think there is counter risk with a potential vaccine that will cause these companies to pop up. But I do feel that with the data I have and what I know about these two stocks, I need to short them. So I am shorting them. And I'm also shorting American Airlines. (laughs) But even though that American Airlines, I listen, I read like a dozen articles explaining why they are not going to go bankrupt between now and the end of the year. And I'm still putting a short on American Airlines if for no other reason than it's just a way for me to like, uh, it's kind of like an accelerator on my Dow Jones short. Because if the data that I'm reading right now comes out tonight and tomorrow, Causes the market to drop. American is just one of the handful of companies that will likely get hit harder than the others. That's all. I'm not going to be shorting American for like a month. It's just a couple days. Uh, I almost That's shorted good. Royal Caribbean, but then I felt bad about it. I have like this loyalty to them from our show, from The Cruiser's Gonna Cruise. I did short them, and I immediately reversed the position. Cause short I Carnival or something. You, there's there's other... You, you could, yes, you could make a, the
0: exact yeah. same play. For Norwegian it, something. They're all the same. I feel like Norwegian might be the... Better one yeah. of the cruise lines, but Carnival, short Carnival.
2: You know, for what we're talking about, though, a couple days, it doesn't really even matter. And so I didn't want to do too much of that stuff. But you know me. I got to I gotta go a little. I got to put in on something a little extra, right? I yes. can't just do the index. I got to do something a little extra. And that's my little bit of extra right now. You
0: okay? really have turned into the addicted day trader. So, what was the stat I read? <laughs> I mean you were never a sports better, right? At all.
2: I was for a short period of time uh, I was I don't know, my late teens, early 20s, I did some sports betting. But the, the thing is like it's a, it's an incredible amount of work for, and there's too many variables when it comes to sports betting. I you know I'm a control freak. Like I I don't like all the extraneous variables that can come into play. So even if you do all your homework on a sports bet and yeah. you are like the best on any particular bet, you just can't the level of convi- You can't have that much conviction because you got refs, you got injuries, you have all kinds of things that could happen intra game that really bothered me. And I feel like if you're good at at, at betting on sports, you're wasting your time because you should be doing this instead, making a hell of a lot more money where you can get leverage. And quite honestly, the people you're betting against, I think people that bet on sports in general are are more educated on what they're betting on and yeah. it's a tougher competition. I would rather compete against Wall Street than compete against sports dudes when it comes to sports betting, right? Like well and now I, those I have... two
0: worlds are colliding.
2: I mean, if, they if are... you... <laughs> <laughs> but here's a difference. Like they're colliding, but it's going to take these sports guys like Portnoy at least a decade, decade and a half to even even remotely educate himself to be able to do this properly. So exactly. I'm not afraid of Fortnite. I'm not afraid of them. No. Um, but I am you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of the people in our Discord chat. Like I'm afraid of the people that are learning how to do what we do because in ten years there's gonna be like five hundred of us. And believe it or not, there's virtually none of us because I've looked far and wide. I spent the past decade traveling the country, going around the world, speaking at every hedge fund conference, meeting with every quant fund, every hedge fund, the smartest people on Wall Street. I know what's behind the curtain. I speak at investor conferences for retail consumers, too. And I meet a lot of these guys. And like I literally remember what I have been told you guys. I was like, every, OK, every time you go I'm and not speak. A,
0: like at a at a at a room full of like professional hedge fund managers they always just kind of leave that conversation with their with their mouth open like i don't believe this guy uses no charting and no he's not looking at fundamental he's literally just using twitter that that's his tool and and that's the thing though now we have these millions of new investors that just opened up their brokerage accounts they they've they've been on the sidelines and Now sports get, you know, the $13 billion legal sports industry is now all in the stock market. And they're, they're using the kind of our method because that's all they know. And if they like an airline and see an airline going down, they think it's great. And if they see a worthless stock like Hertz, but they're like, I've heard of Hertz that can't actually be worthless. And they're causing it to go up. It's, it's a strange time.
2: I wouldn't confuse it with our method, though. Exactly, but, <laughs> no, but the guys no. in our Discord channel are aggressively pursuing our method. Some, of them, but I say this about smart money because I've said it before, and it's so critically important because I've read a lot of this this weekend, even on our Discord channel. Listen, even Kramer was talking about it. All these people are talking about how you know Wall Street's playing games with the with the Wall Street betters and the Robin Hooders. Look, can I just tell you something? I have fully, fully seen behind the curtain. Okay. So is Jordan. Right. Like we have seen it. I promise you, I promise you the smart money. It's all BS. There is no smart money out there. It's not what you think it is. They're not like behind the scenes manipulating Robin Hood traders. Like if you were to sit in a room with the top 10 hedge funds for a few hours each and talk to their, you know, talk to their top decision makers, you would walk out of there being blown away by just how little they actually know and how old school they are in the way they think about and how slow they are in the way that they move on these trades. I will say this. There are some funds, I won't say which ones, uh, that I really respect a lot, uh, that as of a couple years ago were aggressively counter-trading retail trades. So yes, they are looking, they're actually buying real-time data into what retail traders are doing and basically counter trading that trade now i think that might be working against them right now because the retail trade has so much follow through Mm -hmm. where it never did before that they're probably getting slaughtered on that and i do want to say that there are a very few number of people on wall street that i've met over the past seven years uh, that are good friends of mine that really are wicked smart and believe it or not, they're doing the dumb money stuff. Like, they, they were clients of ours, right, Jordan? Like, they use our data. They're, they're, out of 100 funds, there's like a small handful that got it, and they are wicked smart. And I am afraid of them. But they're the far minority, right? So if you're watching this channel, do not be afraid of Wall Street. That's all I'm saying. Do not be afraid of the smart money. That's what dumb money is all about. It's about making fun of smart money because there is no smart money. They call us dumb money and we're slaughtering them, slaughtering them with our returns, right? Nobody has returns like we have at dumb money. So that's it. I'm off my rant for the day.
0: (laughs) Okay, where do we go from there? Do you have any other other specific stocks that you're looking at right now?
2: Um, You know, I looked at everything. I looked at Macy's and The Gap. Uh, I looked at all these different, you know, apparel retailers. And I think they're going to get hit pretty hard. But here's the deal. A lot of these companies have been able to raise some equity, they might be able to raise more equity. There's some things they can do, like the Gap owns 600, I think it was like 600 or 800 million dollars of real estate in San Francisco, um, which is ridiculous. Like they own the tower that they work, their employees work in. What? They don't need to own that. Um, they can sell that stuff, right? They can get They can get more so than selling it. They can take out additional debt against that real estate and then put it up for sale. So they'll get a lifeline. So the thing is, if you look at the Gap, if they restructure and they get there, by the way, they might get rid of the Gap brand. Keep Banana Republic, uh, not Banana Republic, uh, keep get rid of Banana Republic, get rid of the Gap, keep Old Navy, which is hot, mm-hmm. and then keep Athletico, which is hot, right? Yep. And if they pull off something like that and be like, hey, we're getting rid of this stuff, we're raising some cash. Guess what? We're going to do really bad the next six months, but we have enough cash to get through. We're going to come through smaller and smarter. You know what? I don't know if that stock gets crushed a lot more than it is at right now. So, like, there's a counter story to a lot of these retail stocks. You know, you have. So, I, I feel like I'm going to stick with the two that I think are going to get really slaughtered, which are my Dave and Buster's and my Ruth Chris. And I like I I, there are others that I don't like, but I don't like those two more. So I don't want to put on like a dozen of these trades, guys, because of the situation that we're in with the counter trade and the counter risk. I think it's going to be really tough getting out of these trades if I have to, especially pre-market. So I don't want to be in like a dozen of these companies. I'm trying to unwind really quick. I'd rather do a big trade on a big ETF like the Dow Jones and then pick a couple of these things. I want to like spice it up, you know, and just go in a little bit deeper on.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why one of the reasons that I use these uh, trailing stop orders is because when there are when I'm in a bunch of stocks, I'm watching the ones that I'm heavily in, and I may not be watching the ones that I'm not as much in. And I'd like for those to – I, I want to sell those. Um, oh, can we
1: talk about – Are you doing anything on your uh, Dow short day? Do you have any sort of like stop loss on that?
0: I don't right now because yeah. I'm watching it, and that's a million dollars. And so that gets my attention, right? Yeah. So I'm – I mean, right now I'm not. Like, who knows what the market's doing when we're doing this show? I, yeah, well, I, not, I mean, I wouldn't really
1: worry too much. It's not, gonna look, it's not like the Dow's going to bounce 10%, right? Yeah. Um, which and, that exactly and would be real.
0: I basically just check my portfolio. And on a day when everything, the, the majority of the stocks in the world are red, I am up today. So this is awesome.
2: So can we talk a little bit about – I was up huge just now. Like I saw that. I was like, what on earth? And you know what it was? And I'm going to get back to the airlines in a minute, guys. But, uh, oh, I'm up over 400K right now. Um, I say that quietly because I don't want my wife to start shopping at Target online <laughs> when she hears that. But uh, you, you know she uh, can uh, just tune in, right? She doesn't, though. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's – here. here. No, I'm up, but based on how much I was down last Friday or Thursday and Friday, like it's kind of irrelevant, yeah. but um, it's GAN, man. Look GAN, at GAN, GAN's dude. up 15%. Look at GAN. Wow. Go, GAN. Go, go. And Peloton, man. What did I tell you? Peloton and GAN. What to, I love these stocks. All right. And by the way, can we just announce it right now? Tomorrow, we are going to do one of those crazy, exciting earnings episodes like we did back when peloton it's guys this is going to be like a nail biter i want you there i want every one of our followers there with us because we got a lot of money riding on gan i know a lot of our followers on their own accord are in gan i want to make this clear we are not financial advisors don't know what your risk level is do not do what we do we're just doing this for education entertainment only do not mirror our trades, guys. We're just doing this so you can learn the strategy. But if you did your own strategy and you decided to like GAN, I know a lot of you guys have bought GAN. So if you lose money, I bet you we're going to lose a lot more than you are tomorrow. So yeah. it will be fun to watch together. So what we'll do, do is early- t-
0: tomorrow – at it's after hours tomorrow. So we'll, we'll go on – 10, 20 minutes before the market closes. We will wait for the earnings to come out. They're not doing their call until Wednesday morning, so we won't be able to oh. dial into that. Although we might want to do, depending on how these earnings are, we might want to hear the the, the voice of the company actually telling us what, what the earnings mean. We'll, hey, we'll see how much- mean,
2: Can you read the report for us though tomorrow? Like when it comes out, can you- oh Yeah, you, yeah can you we'll, we'll be able to time? read
0: whatever they actually give us. When and it comes out com. in real time. And then if we have enough interest in us listening into the conference call, those those sometimes are interesting, sometimes not. Sometimes they put pretty much everything they're going to say in a written statement. We'll just see how much they share tomorrow. But that will be after hours tomorrow. And the earnings call is on Wednesday. And And it, if we do a show, then we'll let you know tomorrow.
2: It's going to be a fun one. You do not want to miss, man. This Gantrade is a big Big one for us. All Uh, right. So
0: You're in GAN way, way deeper than I. I have ten thousand shares of GAN. You what do you have like a hundred thousand shares of GAN by now? You keep buying more. I keep
2: buying more, seventy, seventy (laughs) thousand. Um okay. So back to airlines, because so I thought about the airline thing and it's again, it's it's a tough trade because, you know, the TSA numbers are coming out every day. Right. Yes. And every day they're going up. They had what half a million yesterday. And we know this because everyone in our neighborhood is traveling all over the place. Like people are. Star- I mean, not everyone, but like people are starting to fly. Right. Uh not like they used to and if that there's a chart oh, I should send to you Dave that I'm I'm looking that, for uh,
0: it. I'm on the TSA's website I, I, but I can't I find the chart it. version
2: I, I actually have it right here against I have a really good one because it compares it to last year I'm going to send it to you right this second just texted it to you Dave okay um And this is a great chart because it really puts things into perspective. The numbers are up, but they're coming up from a really low base, Okay. Now, American Airlines says that they can be cash flow break even by the end of this year. They hope to be at least. But I don't think that's the case if we get a deep second wave. I think if we get a deep second wave that that lasts between kind of now, more or less, and the end of the year, I think you could throw that out of the window and – you know, companies like AAL become a bankruptcy risk again. And I want to say, while we're on this subject, can we talk about Buffett, uh, uh, Warren Buffett? Because I way before I think Dave Portnoy is follow, is watching our show and trying to one up me. Oh, I'm sure he is. I because I ripped on Warren Buffett, who I have insane respect for, but I ripped on him way before uh, Davy Day Trader. Okay, El Presidente uh ripped on him and i ripped on him for a different reason i would he ripped on him for a ludicrous reason um for selling the airlines after the airlines went back up that's ludicrous i'll explain why i ripped on him just because his team him and his team are no longer competent to generate alpha in today's world and they've proven that over the past 10 or 11 years Um, that's it that said quite honestly when i'm that age I'm almost positive I will no longer be following whatever the newest form of technology is. Or I hope maybe I will. But quite honestly, they admittedly have lost touch. They admittedly have lost touch with technology. And you know, technology is everything right now. It just is. You can't pretend that it's not. And so when you're missing out on that piece of the market, they've underperformed. Period. They've underperformed. That's all there is to it. It's not debatable. Okay. that's why I ripped on Warren Buffett. That said... He has so many good years, I challenge anybody to put up the record that Warren Buffett has over the 25 years before the bad 10 years, okay? So I'm never going to rip on him as a whole. I'll just rip on him now. Like, I wouldn't follow what they're trading now. That's what I was saying about Warren Buffett. But I will make an exception for that. When they're trading something that they know a lot about, okay? Yes. They know a lot about airlines. They know a lot about banks, okay? You do not rip Warren Buffett on airlines and banks. Okay, I'm not going to say that he was right or wrong, but you darn well better give him credit and listen to them when he sells off all of his airlines. He does that for a reason. And you know what? Airlines might come out of this if we get through this whole virus next year and we have the roaring 2020s. We've talked about this. Airlines might rebound back bigger than they ever have. And Warren Buffett might say, you know, it is what it is but he got out of that position cuz he didn't like the tail risk and he understood yeah. the tail risk when it comes to airlines and how they're structured with debt he knows everything about that business right
1: well that's what I was going to say if he um the reason he got out probably was that even if they do come out of this thing they're going to have a ton more debt um and so that's just going to you know lower their profits um for the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. And um, Jordan, it's not a trade for him. He can't yeah. wait when you're investing that
2: amount of money, you can't just get in and get yeah. out. It's yeah. not, it's like, oh, I don't like what I'm seeing. that out. It's a massive decision for them. And he looked at what was happening. You're right, Jordan. He probably said, you know what? For them to come out of this, they're gonna come out with this with so much debt that the next ten years is not what I thought it was gonna be. Risk reward, right? And yeah. he's out. So don't call him an idiot for what he did. I totally get why he did what he did.
0: And I think at some point, the airlines will have a turning point, right? We're going to, at some point, this chart that is starting to go up will end up back in this range where it used to be. But we're nowhere but, near that now. And well, but I th- I th-
1: yeah, but I think once you get back to that point, people are going to start revaluing the business and saying, hold on, EPS is a disaster, even though their revenues are back you know, where they were. And that's what um, I've been saying they, all along. It could take a year for them to get back to where they were, or more. Uh, but earnings are going to be way lower. And you know what a lot of the
2: comments were from analysts uh, on why the airlines are going to be okay and they're not going to go bankrupt between now and the end of the year? They were making a case that they are capable of raising a lot more money, okay? Meaning like Delta just raised, what, $5 billion that's backed – by their loyalty program and American airlines United claimed, just did that. Oh, United. Sorry. Yeah. U- American airlines. And this is insane to me. I think they are so smoking. I, I, it's just like, they think their advantage program is worth like 30 billion. I heard three to 40 billion. They're like, Oh, we could raise a lot of money and they probably can. They probably will be able to raise a bunch of money, billions and billions of dollars uh, and put up for collateral the American Advantage Program. I don't really understand why the value... I'm assuming the, well, that's a separate business segment that generates revenue, selling miles. And so by putting it up for collateral, like in bankruptcy or whatever happens, that someone would get that piece of it. I don't know how that all...
1: I don't know fine. if maybe like it's escrowed or something like that, and they don't actually get the dollars until there's a flight. Um, is that... Is, is that how um, it works? I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, that might, be, that might be how it works, Jordan. There might They might have money in escrow. You, that's exactly probably what happens. And so I, I don't know. It, it doesn't even matter. The bottom line is they could raise more debt, and that's what they were trying to say. Now, here's what I'm going to say to that. If they raise even more debt in a down environment, because if they have to raise it, it's going to be in a down environment where we have this deep and prolonged second wave, they're not raising it at good terms, okay. If they're having to sell more stock, they're not selling more stock on good terms, okay. So, even if they come out of this without technically going bankrupt, man, I don't even know. I, it, it could get really ugly in terms of upside for them, right? So, whatever. I'm not going to listen. It's a war. I don't want to be involved. With. I don't want to get into this whole airline thing because right now, I'll tell you one thing: the Robin Hooders, dude. You know. You saw how they backed Hertz? Could you even imagine? How they would back an airline, right? Like, yeah. like support an airline. Like, don't think you're going to short American Airlines down to four or five bucks anytime in the next few weeks. Okay, I don't see that happening with the Robin Hooders. Like, do you see American dip back down to the, ten? And that's what I was going to
1: say. The problem with shorting American, I think, right now is that they've got a longer run runway to bankruptcy than some of these places like uh, like a David Buster's, right? But they're so the not run, the runway some. So yes, for your time risk is way. Way disproportionate, you know, with a restaurant.
2: But they also have a bigger brand new cult following of maniac Robin Hood investors that l- love buying bankrupt companies that are that they know that they know of that are big branded companies that they believe will never go away. So that they l- like reading old research on that says that they're a buy. So, and that's yeah. not really the case with Dave and Buster's and Ruth, Chris, as much as it is with an American Airlines, obviously, or any airline, quite honestly, or Hertz.
0: And Chris, at these levels with, with American coming back as much as they have, I I like your short on them. Um, I'm not in it myself, but I definitely agree with you and, and will consider uh, investing that. But my main thing about betting against American is American and pretty much all of the airlines are not businesses i want to be in and that's what i said from the very beginning as as americans started going up it's like do we want to buy american no because even though you could have gone from like seven to eighteen dollars that that's a huge gain americans one of those companies that just in general is not a long-term company that i would want to hold that that trend down you can see exactly where where they belong right
2: uh guys are you checking your Varsity texturing from uh, Jerry right now. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, wow. Breaking Cowboys news. We're in Dallas. If you don't know that, we're in Dallas. All of our friends are in Dallas. Uh, We love football. Uh, Agent reports running back Zeke Elliott has tested positive among group of Cowboys and Houston players. Positive. Wow. What? I'm telling you guys.
0: So, sure just as sports, right <laughs> just sure as enough. sports are trying to reopen, and you know, the NBA was the first to shut down, and maybe the first to try to reopen. If if we start getting players testing positive, what does that do to our um, sports betting trades? What are, we, are you? What are you doing Meanwhile,
2: right now? The Dow, the Dow is only down 85 on that news. Okay, so honestly, I think. I think, forget about Zeke, okay? This is not about Zeke. It's not about one player. In my gut, and we're going to see if I'm right tonight, okay? Or in the next five hours, four hours. So I think Dallas releases their numbers now at like 4 p.m. our time. In my gut, with everything that I'm hearing antidotally this weekend – Here in our hot zone of Dallas, Texas, because we're a hot spot now, right? We're a hot spot.
0: Yes, for sure.
2: Everything that I'm hearing, everything that I'm seeing, when I start to overlay the the data that I'm seeing now out of all the other hot spots, I believe we're going to see an acceleration starting today. I don't know if it lasts one day or two days or one or two weeks. I don't know. That's the bigger question. But I think for at least one day or two days, I think we see an acceleration of this bad data that's going to spook the market. Now, I could be wrong, but that's my thesis yeah. and that's what I'm trading on today.
0: But you're Seriously. trading you're trading as a hedge against your long portfolio. You have not you're not trading at a hundred percent of your long portfolio, right? So you, yeah, you're yeah, you're at like correct. you and I are both at about 15%, 16 percent of our portfolio is hedged.
2: But understand that in the context of where I want to be, because where I want to be is I want to be 140% of my long position. I want to be 40% leverage long. I want to buy back all those stocks that I sold last week. I really badly want to buy back Marriott. I want to buy back Southwest Airlines. I want to back, buy back Avis. I want to buy back Cheesecake Factory and BJ's restaurant, and I want to buy me some cracker barrel. I want to buy these companies back so badly. I really, really do. Well we'll but see if that happens in,
0: in the next I weeks or both. months, Yeah.
2: yeah, but I what I'm saying is like for me to be like at neutral plus a little hedge is actually way more short than I want to be and than I was a few days ago, right? When I was like not only all long, but all long and then levered to the tilt long, right? And I want to get back there, guys. I so badly want to get back there. And if I see signs that this second wave is going to flatten out or kind of like just kind of slowly go away, I will be the first to rush back into this market like super, super long on all those bounce back stocks because I know the vaccine date is coming, Dave. It's coming. Know. You know it's coming, Dave. It is. It might not be real. It might not be real.
0: And that's but what it's we coming. were talking about. We, we were This morning, our, our conversation, uh, We like 10 minutes before we went on the air, and we realized, why are we having this conversation now? We should be doing this on YouTube. Um, <laughs> is There is going to be news. That Oxford study, we've been hearing about it for weeks now. There's going to be some news, and it's going to probably – Sound positive, and it's probably going to make the market jump up because everybody wants the market to jump up, and people who have put some cash on the side during this uh, downturn are going to be jumping right back in. You um, and you I, and you and me included.
2: Can we just talk a little bit about the? You know, I love you know, I, I love anomalies. Like I love black swans. I love. I love anything that hasn't happened before that is so different. It's just so unique that the market has never had an opportunity to react to that exact thing, which means there's an opportunity for us to trade it because they don't know how to price it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's happening right now. And I just want to discuss it with us three. I want to discuss this whole thing where, people are going out massively in all these areas out that we haven't had our first wave yet. Like forget about New York and New Jersey and all that stuff, right? Outside of those areas. If you live in Texas or California or even Florida or Georgia or, or any of these places, North Carolina, Arkansas, Oklahoma, if you live in any of these places, like it is insane how the degree to which people are going out, not only that, but I heard that contact tracers out of Houston, and out of a few other areas in the country are having issues getting contact tracing data uh, from people that are getting sick, meaning people are getting sick and they were sharing like 20 different people in their network that they come into contact with. And now they're sharing like one or two or three or four because they feel like it's an invasion of privacy and like they no longer feel that it's like this thing that they must do that's a serious thing for humanity. Or they're like
1: embarrassed and they don't want other people to find out. No, or I just think that they don't have...
2: Jordan, they don't have the societal pressure that we all had in March. Mm-hmm. Remember in March when the whole world was like uniformly together on this to some yeah. extent, really to some extent. Now it's like broken up to like it's gotten very political. It's like it's almost like I, I, I read a, a tweet and it said it so well. People that believe that we should not have to stay at home, people that believe we should have the freedom to do whatever we want, are associating that with the data of the disease, meaning they're not going to believe that the disease is getting worse because they, they're they're not disconnecting those two things. And what should be happening is you should be looking at the data separately from your beliefs on what we should do based on the data. Does that make sense? So like there's a lot of COVID deniers because they believe that we should have the freedom to do what we should want, which what should happen is, okay, look at the data, admit that the data is getting worse, but then separately say, I don't care that the data is getting worse. I still think we should go out and have businesses be open and not shut down government. But those worlds are too heavily connected. And it's a weird thing to where people are like, I don't care. I don't want to believe. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I'm not believing it. I'm only going to read the news that aligns with my political beliefs, which is really dangerous because there are people right now That they don't want to believe that this could be happening here in texas right um and 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 if that happens what i'm trying to get at right now is if you study this whole 1918 spanish flu and all this stuff the second wave this when you read about the second wave it's like mind-blowing that it actually happened you're like how did were these people i remember reading about this like when this first started after all those people died how would they go out and force like that and have parades and no one cared? They were just at bars as if nothing ever happened. And here we are in the same exact place. And I'm not trying to say this is the same as the 1918 Spanish flu. I'm not saying that. But we are absolutely in the same place psychologically where people are rage they're going out as if there's zero
1: risk, right? Well, like- I think that's the problem, right? So people, you know, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but a lot of people um, uh, are mistaking being tired of it and, like, over it versus it actually still being a problem or not, right? Okay. And I think what the numbers are showing is, is that it's absolutely still a problem. Um, and that is something you need to be careful of. Does it need to, you know, um, you need to live in fear? I don't think so. Um, can you go, you know, to the grocery store? Can you do a few things? Yeah, I mean, wear your mask, wear, wear some gloves, wash your hands, do some things um, to protect yourself. Uh, but should we be packing restaurants? Should we be packing bars? Um, sports stadiums? Probably not. Right uh, Jordan, <laughs> how
2: about, like, well, we got wedi- weddings? Like, yeah, I am not.
1: Yeah, okay, I mean, I, okay, I, like, we probably just got invited to the same wedding, and we're not going to go.
2: Um, I mean, we, it can't, can't, we can't, we can't. So I would love to go. Uh, I would love, love to go. To I mean, out.
1: I love these people, but I can't, you know, first of all, who's going to watch our kids, right? And so who yeah, would trust yeah. enough to come do that? And then we're going to be going out um, and then putting ourselves around a bunch of people that we don't know what they've been doing, right?
2: Yeah, and we both have high risk situations in our home. so right. we're, we're even more over the top careful. Um, but listen, I'm not—I now was even calling it that. But there's lots of weddings that are being planned right now. There's actually—I lo- heard that there's conventions that are starting to open up, like 10,000-person uh, conventions, convention centers that are preparing to start hosting conventions. And there's not a lot of conventions that would want to do something, but there are a lot of political, let's call it, There's certain types of conventions where people maybe skew less concerned or less worried. That stuff is going to potentially happen. And I think we're, se- I, listen, I'm, coming, I'm getting back to one thing here, which is terrorists, right? And that's my whole world. I think we could be setting ourselves up for some degree of tail risk. And by the way, there are a lot of factors. There are some people that are writing that this strain uh, that is less deadly than it was a couple months ago, and that might be the case. That would be awesome if that was the case. Um, And so there's a lot at play, but I also think we could be setting ourselves up for something that is just an unprecedented Black Swan event to where it could truly be something that is worse than it was two two and a half months ago. Okay, and if it is worse come this fall because of that, when everyone's been out and about all summer, our rates never come down. I would have loved to have started the fall with a really low baseline of like very few infections, right? And that way, if it and my goal was like beautiful contact tracing, right? Very low base and really good treatments for those that slip through the cracks and i was i was hoping we could be there as a country but i honestly feel right now that our numbers are not going to be low when the fall starts it seems like nobody's willing to contact trace which is a huge problem like they have those apps and no one's downloading them cities aren't even trying to get people to download them well, it was the biggest topic back in march and now no one even talks about it anymore so so right? the
0: apps and the technology both apple and google like have this platform that can Anonymously track and provide back. But they, they didn't actually create the apps because of the big pushback in privacy. They basically opened up an API to the CDC and other organizations like that around the world to use it if they wanted. And as far as I know, there's not a CDC app for contact tracing that I could even download. Is there even an app that, that, that uses all of this technology that we have available to us to actually track uh, exposure? Like, It would be nice to know if I was in the same, you know, room as someone who had tested positive three days ago, you know?
2: And, Dave, I'm not even sure if it's a political thing. Listen, yes, Trump said we're going to have this back in March. It never happened. No one's – but no one's even talking about it. Even in the most liberal cities in this country, it's not like those governors or or like they're putting – contact tracing and like preaching about it every single day. I'm not hearing it. And it's what every single tree that has come out of this really well from uh, whether it's South Korea or Taiwan, like these places I've been studying their contract, uh, contact, contact tracing, tracing is superb. It's superb.
0: And and it's you like, and I saw, were talking about the new data out of the uh, Japan contact tracing study that, that showed something that I concerns me in this country that something like 40% of the um, root root cause cases were younger people, 20 to 39 year olds accounted for a large majority, not majority, but 40% of the cases. Um, And outside of the typical places you'd expect, like hospitals and nursing care facilities and other like care facilities like that, it was restaurants, bars, sporting, uh, sporting outdoor uh, concerts, it was it was the kinds of things that are starting to open up here like outdoor demonstrations yeah. happened here and
2: we haven't even talked about protests yet i mean do you realize this is the week for 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 testing for protest like this is this is when we're going to supposedly get the data on the protest stuff like we'll kick in and that's just an additional accelerator right on top of everything else
0: and and i think yeah i think that that is a big factor of it you know so
2: I, listen, guys. I'm just there's saying, a lot to
0: watch for, and as as we're watching the markets, these are the these are the data points that we're looking for. We we nobody knows where it's going, but being aware, being prepared, having a plan is what it's
2: all about. And so, what are we looking at precisely? I'll I'll share with you. I mean, I personally, what I love right now is that there are a bunch of these hot spots, and the data in these hot spots. Are moving in sync with each other so beautifully. It's like it's not a good thing, but like Florida and Texas and California and Arizona and there's a couple other places. In North Carolina. It's, it's it's moving in sync with each other. So I like that from a research standpoint because I don't have to pull data on like twelve places. I could just zone in on one city like Dallas and know that every other place is going to be pretty close to that. So what's yeah. really cool about Dallas is. We actually have really good data that comes out every day at about 4 p.m. Uh, Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, and it's the Dallas numbers. And they were they were at 200 a week and a half ago. They've been climbing up to 300. Now they've been over 300 the last few days. Um, they climbed as high as I think 340 on Saturday, and or 338 on Saturday. They were 300 yesterday, which was huge for a Sunday because they always drop on Sundays dramatically. So the fact that it was 300 on Sunday was insane. That number will come out today in a few hours. And when I see that number, if it, is, if it comes out early, I'll trade on that number. Even if it comes out after the market close, I might trade after market. I might go in deeper on that short position on the DIA. If that number is like really high, because if that number comes out at like 400 or 420 or something like that, I'm going to assume that all the other hotspots in the country over the next two, three hours after that are all going to have similar stuff. And it's going to make its way into the media cycle. I think it's going to lead to probably a down day tomorrow. I could be wrong unless we get vaccine news. And I'm really surprised the market was doing as well as it's doing right now. By the way, are we positive even right now? Um,
0: no, the Dow's Balloon, yeah. almost uh, yeah. Dow's down zero point four nine, and the Nasdaq is up 0.33. So, and the S yeah, and P like- is essentially unchanged. But something we said a moment ago caused a flurry of chats to come through. So I want to address some of those. Uh, Drew Steph says that because we live in a state uh, with climbing numbers, we're, we're overly worried. Overall, the country numbers are fine. Uh, and if you look at mortality rates, the mortality rates uh, is declining in Florida and Texas, which I have seen the actual mortality rates are.
1: Yeah, are a trailing number,
2: guys, a trailing
1: I want to say about this and, you know, um, we're, we're we're one of us, we're, we're an experiment, right? So we're opening up early um, and so are other states that are having some of these problems. And so, yeah, you're seeing numbers still declining in the northeast, but they're not opening up to the extent that You know, places in the South are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan just said it, but I want to make it very clear.
2: We are the leading indicator, Texas, Florida, to a lesser extent, California, Texas, especially is a leading indicator. We opened up, we were one of the first to open up and And we we are a massive state. Yeah, but we are a massive, massive state. Texas is a massive part of the U.S. economy and you add California to that and then Florida, Dude, watch. That's it. That's I mean, that's yeah. it right there. And, then, but, and, but and I don't think anyone temporal. is saying
0: that we're going to see these kind of big upticks across the country. It. There are places in the in the country that you're probably fine when you when you talk about where the economy is and, and us watching the stock market. It is the metropolitan areas that drive the country's economy. And that is why we are so focused on big states and big cities.
2: Yes. It's it's not about what happens in Oklahoma or Utah. OK, it's it's about what happens in the top 10 to 12 cities. okay, in the country. And you have like two or three of them right here in Texas. Yeah. uh, Between San you add San Antonio, Austin, Houston, Dallas together. uh, You add L.A. into that because L.A. is right there with us. And then Florida. This is what you need to be looking at. This is what matters right now. Forget about the Northeast, because the Northeast has been in total lockdown, except for they're just starting to come out, like the West Village and the Hamptons. You're hearing stuff like they're doing stuff that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. But no, 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 no. You're on the downslope. We never even had a first wave. If we get a wave that's equivalent to New York in Texas and California and Florida— It will be a way bigger deal than New York and New Jersey or if that actually were to happen. I don't think we're going to have that deep of a second wave because we don't have mass transit in these areas to the extent that you do. We don't have apartment living to the extent that you do in a Manhattan, right, in that type of an area. But still, it could be enough to really rock this market, okay? Exactly, and and,
0: in... A comment came in, in Canada, uh, I just learned that my Android phone automatically had me tracked from uh, their last update and had to manually turn it off. Other countries are embracing the technology, and the United States has basically said, no, privacy, you know, it it could be our downfall because we aren't willing to look at this anonymized. We we just don't trust. Apparently, we're not trusting enough of Apple, Google, and the government, which, yeah, that seems kind of scary. I'm not sure that I would just blindly trust those. But if you know how the technology works and you know how they've abstracted any personal information, and I, my understanding is that the government, the APIs that Apple and Google are opening up for the CDC to have access to doesn't provide any specific information about the person. It just lets the connection be made so that my phone knows if it was sitting next to another phone long enough. It doesn't tell anyone where that was, when that was, you know. Who it was, none of that. It's just blind information to tell my phone that I was sitting next to another phone that tested positive. And to me, D- go ahead.
2: No, I was just say, Dave. Uh, even if it was an invasion of privacy or you're risking your privacy, I mean, I'd be happy to do. I'd be happy to put my privacy at risk for for, for this type of a cause. I mean, well,
0: and, well, and you I and think, I uh, are are less. We're less concerned about privacy in general. I actually like it when my ads get targeted to me. I think it's and fantastic. <laughs> if if this Google device sitting on my desk could listen to me and give me better ads on Google, absolutely, I'm all for it.
2: Me, me okay, I, I, I'm, Google, i am am I'm a, I'm a I'm a thousand percent in with you. But listen, I think I feel like as Americans, we're asked to do so little. Like in 2020, for 2020, there are so many people in this country that are like the healthcare workers that are doing everything for us, right? The military and all this stuff. And like, there are so many people that can't say no, they can't stay home. They're not allowed to stay home. They just can't do it. Or they don't have the money to do it. They could be working in a meat factory, you know, making the meat for us or doing whatever the the health, anyone that is in a job that they can't say no to, like for the rest of us, I would love to be able to do something that could help. And if it's sharing, you know, putting my privacy at risk.
0: Exactly. If you could do oh, yeah. some if you could if you could tell people where you are and that you're that you had it, that would be I would give up that privacy and uh Leon commented that it's 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 a deadly disease, but we're not as concerned about catching it because it would make us sick. It's about spreading it. And the reality is, I don't want to catch it. I I would love to be if the science is right and 60 to 70% of Americans will eventually get this, I'd like to be in that percentage that didn't get it because <laughs> Of this increased risk of having your heart explode or needing a lung transplant, if, if I can avoid that, that seems like an easy enough thing to do, just to to avoid it.
2: But but you know, like when you think about the the sacrifices that our ancestors made in World War II, right, and all this stuff, well, could you imagine if they if they got a glimpse into 2020 and people are like have the ability to save lives by, but I don't want to put my privacy at risk. They're like what? <laughs> what are you yeah. kidding me are you kidding me are you kidding me I, I
0: sat in a trench with machine gun fire around me that, that...
2: Well, just forget, no how about the people that were staying home here that were like women were going to work in sewing factories you know what i'm saying like yes sewing, so said like like cutting meat like just the whole thing and I'm like what well, i don't want to i don't want to allow my phone to connect to someone else for the for to be able to help trace the disease, you know, could you imagine? We're so spoiled. Anyway, I, I, I had all, to
0: stay indoors of... in my air conditioned couch watching television. That was the sacrifice I had to make.
2: All I was getting at, I, I, it's not about predicting something. It's about understanding the tail risk. It's about understanding that there is a, a, a possibility that the market is underpricing a risk that is substantial. And if you understand that. It's just preparing yourself for that, understanding what are the scenarios that would lead that tail risk to reality, that would bring it into reality, right? And so we talk about that. We're watching the data very closely, and we know what we're going to do if the data gets worse. We already have our positions. I'm probably not going to go a lot heavier shorting Dave and Busters and Ruth Chris, but I might go heavier just... Shorting the market because I think that knee-jerk reaction. Would you agree? Is just people just generally selling off the Dow for the most part, and companies that are in the Dow. That's exactly right. And that's where you probably make the most money. Um, But
0: thinking too much about it and picking those individual stocks. I want to be in stocks that I like for the long term, and I want to be long on those stocks. And as a protection, I the Dow seems like the average that that gets reported in the news and. The big industrial stocks are not going to do as well as the tech stocks, I would imagine. So,
1: yeah, I mean, lately, what you see is it on the down days right now, and this could change. But the Dow looks like it's about a percent worse than the SPY, which is then about half to full percent worse than the uh, than the Nasdaq. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's because
1: the market, listen,
2: the market is getting a, a little bit smarter, and they understand how this particular risk impacts the economy and impacts various sectors when we traded the first no uh downfall right back in march uh the market had no clue who was going to get impacted how the market was as dumb as it gets right they remember they sold amazon way down they sold off peloton i mean they sold off companies like that were so obviously only going to benefit from all this stuff. And look what happened today. You know, Amazon was down a tad because the indexes sell it down. And as the index is selling Amazon down, people are buying it up, right, to correct it, right? Because they're like, wait a second, they already know. They're like, well, if this thing comes down, so they're supporting it, it's a give and take. And companies like Peloton, they never even let that happen to. It's just like, we're just like, we know that if there's more risk of a second wave, this stock is going to do well. So the easy money in, in, in price discrepancies, right, uh, due to those misallocations, are they're not going to happen as much this time, right? So you kind of have to pick the sectors that are going to get hurt worse because you're not going to make your money shorting tech, I don't think, unless, unless China, unless China screws up and the supply chain gets hit. Because if this starts to impact China and yeah. this starts to impact our supply chain, watch out are you could you imagine on the tech sector as high as the techs are right now
0: and and i think that we did breathe a sigh of relief here in this country on our supply chain from china because they seem to have things under control but then just the last couple days we've seen the beijing uh they shut down this huge area um that doesn't necessarily sit near the supply chain or factories or or that sort of thing but there's always the risk that things could re-escalate in china and that could, be, uh, that could be another risk for us um, in, in our tech-heavy investments.
2: Dude, uh, uh, 100%. It's something to keep an eye on. Anything really bad happens in China, dude, yeah, I mean, uh, that will change my outlook entirely. Um, and I'll have to take a really close look at downsizing some of, my, you know, some of my tech. Although I don't have a ton of tech positions that are relying on that. But I think the whole sector will get hit a lot harder um, if that happens. So um, we know what we're looking for, right? We're, we're looking at that data. We're going to see it here. Prob- I'm focused on the Dallas data. I will trade it. It will probably be after hours. Uh, I'll trade it probably with the DIA. I'll probably short the, uh, the you know the diamonds uh, if the data looks really bad. That's it. It's a simple trade. And if not, a lot, I'm not afraid to kind of do nothing and not take a strong stance right here. I'm not afraid to kind of chill out a little bit and maybe not go back into those rebound stocks until I really feel that I have visibility, really good visibility that this second wave is not going to haunt me. Um, And, and that, and that's what it's all about. What am I missing? Anything?
0: I think, I think we are in the same boat and we're all in it together. So I'm, I'm hoping we all don't lose too much money and we can make a little bit more than, than the average, uh, Returns out there and I think we'll be in good shape
2: I have a note and it's basically what I said it says let data drive decisions that that was kind of when I was meditating that was something that kept coming to me is you know just let the data drive the decisions uh, don't really look at the stock listen if you look at price action look at the price action last night the market was down a thousand points okay now it's even. Does that kind of lead you to believe that anybody knows what on earth they're doing? They don't have a clue. (laughs) They don't have a clue what they're doing. All right. So nobody really understands what to do right now. We're in this very unusual place where we might have a deep second wave or maybe the second wave is not that deep. Maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe it is a big deal. Maybe we'll get vaccine news. So I can't really go too deep on the short trade. You know, I like there's
1: so like it's or maybe very we'll it a weird. stimulus package from Congress right? a, that, a stimulus
2: pack will help some. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a, a very big weird of, place to be.
0: As I said in the intro, this is this is a part of the this is something that nobody knows. There's no right answer. And it just pays to be aware and alert and watching it
2: yeah, and, and 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 I see someone's making fun of my dude. Uh, I, I, I'm not afraid to chill out a bit, but but that's that's kind of how I feel. It's not the most professional way to say it. But I when we first started this episode and Jordan talked about not doing anything, that's kind of the way I felt. I felt like we're in a place where it makes more sense to watch closely and not be too levered out right now. What I mean, for me, not doing anything, means not being overly levered. For Jordan, not doing anything actually means not doing anything. Okay, so <laughs> not doing not doing anything probably means something different to every investor. Um, but I'm just going to do a lot of watching. And as the data comes out and it really starts to play off, I will trade deeper into it. But I, even then, I'm not going to go super deep. This is not going to be another recreation of March when I had like, you remember how what I had like four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars of put options that were expiring, you know, the next day that in any se- if the market turned even a tiny bit, I just yeah. lost 800 grand in put options on the spy. You I'm were buying those put that.
0: options on a Thursday that expired on a Friday.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was buying and I was buying them on a Friday that expired on a Monday. Right. So that's not going to repeat itself, I don't think, unless the data gets really ugly, which is possible. But even then, we have this counter risk of a vaccine. So like we didn't have that back then. Right. But now we do. So I have to be more careful.
0: Um, I did so, see some questions. One from way ago, and I'll never be able to find it again. But uh, they were asking how you trade before the market opens, and I I think that they were actually asking about unwinding options before the market opens.
1: I, I yeah, do you can't, you can't do, do that. that.
2: You can't do that, but you can counter trade it. So so what I what I did, uh, and I did it this morning actually. Uh, you can simply if you're if you have puts on a stock and you want to unwind those. You can't do it until the market opens, but you could simply buy the stock uh, in the pre-market. So you just buy the equivalent amount of stock in the pre-market. It's a, essentially hedging your option position, right? And it's just very simple. Uh, I don't. You can't. You can't trade derivatives. You can't trade options uh, pre or post market. So I don't. But there's there's other ways. You if you're long, if you if you have a call position, you could simply short the stock, right? Pre or post market. So that that's it. But this
0: morning, as the uh, you know futures were so, super low, and the pre-market trading would have, you know, it's it's hard to be able to even do anything, um, because it's already made its move, right? It's not like you're getting some advantage in being able to trade at yesterday's prices in the morning. You're you're trading at the current price that the that it's expected yeah. to open at. So it's it's a little yeah. bit different. I'm, I'm looking to see here if we have any other questions we might so, want to. So by the
2: way, I hear I could hear my kids and my wife screaming from the playroom like Fortnite uh is new seasons coming out on wednesday and right now like 30 minutes ago they started there's this 48 hour event before the new season when I, they kind of like destroy the old island that you're playing in and it's like my kids have been waiting for this they keep delaying it for weeks and it just happened and i'm desperately just want to run in there and check it out i've, I've been hearing about this through <laughs> my kids and it's such a big event man it's like you know, you can't really invest in Fortnite. They're part of uh that Chinese company, and they're—it's you know, such a big company. I'm not sure it moves the needle. Well, then um, we should
0: we should wrap up so that you can go watch this Fortnite we, we because we are up. going I to be back to on the air the tomorrow, tomorrow morning for or tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, afternoon for the earnings yeah. for Gan earnings.
2: Yeah. Not tomorrow morning. Tomorrow afternoon. Right. Tomorrow afternoon. Okay. Uh, I repeat. Tomorrow so- afternoon. Dude, that is gonna be such a fun episode. I really hope I don't get roasted on this whole can trade. Like what if by the way, this is such a speculative small cap position. This company is has so much risk involved with it oh, that sure. anything could happen tomorrow. Anything could happen tomorrow. Again, this stock could go up 50%. It could go down 70% tomorrow. It is gonna be one interesting. Earnings episode. I cannot wait.
0: How, how much? How much of it? You, you have seventy thousand shares. I have ten thousand shares. I, I need to know that so that I can put that number in our uh, thumbnail. So you guys look for that. It, it will be. Uh, I'll schedule that live episode right after this
2: one ends. Yeah. Okay. So so I can't wait tomorrow. Gan. 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 Gan.
0: And before you go, do smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm, subscribe, set the bell to all to know when we're on the air, subscribe to my channel. Hey there, Dave here, new video coming soon. It'll be all about uh, uh, selling. You know what I'm talking about. It's gonna be selling the uh, trailing stop position. Anyway, we're also on podcasts. This exact show will be a replay on Apple, Spotify, Google, all of them. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. You can join our Discord server, dumbmoney.tv slash Discord. Keep the conversation. You're going to be on there a lot. You, you, by the way, this weekend were a madman answering questions on there. I am very impressed. Thank you guys so much for watching. For Dumb Money, I'm Dave. We have Chris. We have Jordan. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon.